Section twenty five of Fabiola by Nicholas Patrick Cardinal Wiseman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Part Second Conflict. Chapter Six Deliberations. The persecution had now been some time raging in the East under Diocletian and Galerius, and the decree for enkindling it throughout the West had reached Maximian. But it had been resolved to make this a work not of reprehension but of extermination of the christian name it had been determined to spare no one but cutting off the chiefs of the religion first to descend down to the wholesale butchery of the poorest classes it was necessary for this purpose to concert measures that the various engines of destruction might work in cruel harmony that every possible instrument should be employed to secure completeness to the effort and also that the majesty of imperial command should add its grandeur and its terror to the crushing blow for this purpose the emperor though impatient to begin his work of blood had yielded to the opinion of his counsellors that the edict should be kept concealed till it could be published simultaneously in every province and government of the west the thunder-cloud fraught with vengeance would thus hang for a time in painful mystery over its intended victims and then burst suddenly upon them discharging upon their heads its mingled elements and its fire hail snow ice and boisterous blast it was in the month of november that maximian hercules convoked the meeting in which his plans had finally to be adjusted to it were summoned the leading officers of his court and of the state the principal one the prefect of the city had brought with him his son corvinus whom he had proposed to be captain of a body of armed perseverance picked out for their savageness and hatred of the christians who should hunt them out or down with unrelenting assiduity the chief prefects or governors of Sicily, Italy, Spain, and Gaul were present to receive their orders. In addition to these, several learned men, philosophers and orators, among whom was our old acquaintance Calpurnius, had been invited, and many priests who had come from different parts to petition for heavier persecution were commanded to attend. The usual residence of the emperors, as we have seen, was the Palatine. There was, however, another much esteemed by them which maximian herculeus in particular preferred during the reign of nero the wealthy senator pilatius lateranus was charged with conspiracy and of course punished with death his immense property was seized by the emperor and part of this was his house described by juvenal and other writers as of unusual size and magnificence it was beautifully situated on the chilean hill and on the southern verge of the city so that from it was a view unequalled even in the vicinity of rome stretching across the wavy campana here bestrided by colossal aqueducts crossed by lines of roads with their fringes of marble tombs and bespangled all over by glittering villas set like gems in the dark green enamel of laurel and cypress the eye reached at evening the purple slope of hills on which as on a couch lay stretched luxuriously alba and tusculum with their daughters according to oriental phrase basking brightly in the setting sun the craggy range of sabine mountains on the left and the golden expanse of the sea on the right of the beholder closed in this perfect landscape it would be attributing to maximian a quality which he did not possess were we to give him credit for loving a residence so admirably situated through any taste for the beautiful the splendor of the buildings which he had still further adorned or possibly the facility of running out of the city for the chase of boar and wolf was the motive of this preference a native of samurium in sclavonia 
a reputed barbarian therefore of the lowest extraction a mere soldier of fortune without any education endowed with little more than a brute strength which made his surname of herculeus most appropriate he had been raised to the purple by his brother barbarian diodes known as the emperor diocletian like him covetous to meanness and spendthrift to recklessness addicted to the same coarse vices and foul crimes which a christian pen refuses to record without restraint of any passion without sense of justice or feeling of humanity this monster had never ceased to oppress persecute and slay whoever stood in his way to him the coming persecution looked like an approaching feast does to a glutton who requires the excitement of a surfeit to relieve the monotony of daily excess gigantic in frame with the well-known features of his race with the hair on his head and face more yellow than red shaggy and wild like tufts of straw with eyes restlessly rolling in a compound expression of suspicion profligacy and ferocity this almost last of rome's tyrants struck terror into the hearts of any beholder except a christian is it wonderful that he hated the race and its name in the large basilica or hall then of the aedes latinorene maximian met his motley council in which secrecy was ensured by penalty of death in the semicircular apse at the upper end of the hall sat the emperor on an ivory throne richly adorned and before him were arranged his obsequious and almost trembling advisers a chosen body of guards kept the entrance and the officer in command sebastian was leaning negligently against it on the inside but carefully noted every word that was spoken little did the emperor think that the hall in which he sat and which he afterwards gave with a continuous palace to constantine as part of the dowry of his daughter fausta would be transferred by him to the head of the religion he was planning to extirpate and become retaining its name of the lateran basilica the cathedral of rome of all the churches of the city and of the world the mother in chief little did he imagine that on the spot whereon rested his throne would be raised a chair whence command should issue to reach worlds unknown to roman sway from an immortal race of sovereigns spiritual and temporal precedence was granted by religious courtesy to the priests each of whom had his tale to tell here a river had overflowed its banks and done much mischief to the neighboring plains there an earthquake had thrown down part of a town on the northern frontiers the barbarians threatened invasion at the south the plague was ravaging the pious population in every instance the oracles had declared that it was all owing to the christians whose toleration irritated the gods and whose evil charms brought calamity on the empire nay some had afflicted their votaries by openly proclaiming that they would utter no more till the odious nazarenes had been exterminated and the great delphic oracle had not hesitated to declare that the just did not allow the gods to speak next came the philosophers and orators each of whom made his own long-winded oration during which maximian gave unequivocal signs of weariness but as the emperors in the east had held a similar meeting he considered it his duty to sit out the annoyance the usual calumnies were repeated for the ten thousandth time to an applauding assembly the stories of murdering and eating infants of committing foul crimes of worshipping martyrs bodies of adoring an ass's head and inconsistently enough of being unbelievers and serving no god these tales were almost firmly believed though probably their reciters knew perfectly well they were but good sound heathen lies very useful in keeping up a horror of christianity 
but at length up rose the man who was considered to have most deeply studied the doctrines of the enemy and best to know their dangerous tactics he was supposed to have read their own books and to be drawing up a confutation of their errors which would fairly crush them indeed so great was his weight with his own side that when he asserted that christians held any monstrous principle had their supreme pontiff in person contradicted it every one would have laughed at the very idea of taking his word for his own belief against the assertion of calpurnius he struck up a different strain and his learning quite astonished his fellow sophists he had read the original books he said not only of the christians themselves but of their forefathers the jews who having come into egypt in the reign of Ptolemy philadelphus to escape from a famine in their own country through the arts of their leader josephus brought up all the corn there and sent it home upon which Palmyme imprisoned them telling them that as they had eaten up all the corn they should live on the straw by making bricks with it for building a great city then demetrius Valerius, hearing from them of a great many curious histories of their ancestors shut up moses and aaron their most learned men in a tower having shaved half their beards till they should write in greek all their records these rare books calpurnius had seen and he would build his argument entirely on them this race made war upon every king and people that came in their way and destroyed them all it was their principle if they took a city to put every one to the sword and this was all because they were under the government of their ambitious priests so that when a certain king saul called also paul spared a poor captive monarch whose name was agog the priest ordered him to be brought out and hewed to pieces now continued he these christians are still under the domination of the same priesthood and are quite as ready to-day under their direction to overthrow the great roman empire burn us all in the forum and even sacrilegiously assail the sacred and venerable heads of our divine emperors a thrill of horror ran through the assembly at this recital it was soon hushed as the emperor opened his mouth to speak for my part he said i have another and a stronger reason for my abhorrence of these christians they have dared to establish in the heart of the empire and in this very city a supreme religious authority unknown here before independent of the government of the state and equally powerful over their minds as this formerly all acknowledged the emperor as supreme and religious as in civil rule hence he bears still the title of pontifex maximus but these men have raised up a divided power and consequently bear but a divided loyalty i hate therefore as a usurpation in my own dominions the sacerdotal sway over my subjects for i declare that i would rather hear of a new rival starting up to my throne than of the election of one of these priests in rome this speech delivered in harsh grating voice and with a vulgar foreign accent was received with immense applause and plans were formed for the simultaneous publication of the edict through the west and for its complete and exterminating execution then turning sharply upon tertullius the emperor said prefect you said you had some one to propose for superintending these arrangements and for merciless dealings with these traitors he is here sire my son Corvinus." and tertullus handed the youthful candidate to the grim tyrant's footstool where he knelt maximian eyed him keenly burst into a hideous laugh and said upon my word i think he'll do why prefect i had no idea you had such an ugly son i should think he is just the thing every quality of a thorough paced unconscientious scapegrace is stamped upon his features 
then turning to corvinus who was scarlet with rage terror and shame he said to him mind you sirrah i must have clean work of it no hacking and hewing no blundering i pay up well if i am well served but i pay off well too if badly served so now go and remember that if your back can answer for a small fault your head will for a greater the lictor's fasces contain an axe as well as rods the emperor rose to depart when his eye caught fulvius who had been summoned as a paid court spy but who kept as much in the background as possible ho there my eastern worthy he called out to him draw nearer fulvius obeyed with apparent cheerfulness but with real reluctance much the same as if he had been invited to go near a tiger the strength of whose chain he was not quite sure about he had seen from the beginning that his coming to rome had not been acceptable to maximian though he knew not fully the cause it was not merely that the tyrant had plenty of favorites of his own to enrich and spies to pay without diocletians sending him more from asia though this had its weight but it was more he believed in his heart that fulvius had been sent principally to act the spy upon himself and to report to nicomedia the sayings and doings of his court while therefore he was obliged to tolerate him and employ him he mistrusted and disliked him which in him was equivalent to hating him it was some compensation therefore to corvinus when he heard his more polished confederate publicly addressed as rudely as himself in the following terms none of your smooth put-on looks for me fellow i want deeds not smirks you came here as a famous plot-hunter a sort of stoat to pull conspirators out of their nests or suck their eggs for me i have seen nothing of this so far and yet you have had plenty of money to set you up in business these christians will afford you plenty of game so make yourself ready and let us see what you can do you know my ways you had better look sharp about you therefore or you may have to look at something very sharp before you the property of the convicted will be divided between the accusers and the treasury unless i see particular reasons for taking the whole to myself now you may go most thought that these particular reasons would turn out to be very general End of section 25